I heard there is no Christmas in the silly Middle East. No trees, no snow, no Santa Claus. They have different religious beliefs. They believe in Muhammad and not in our holiday. And so every December I go to the Middle East and say, Hey there, Mr. Muslim. Merry fucking Christmas. Put down that book, the Koran. Good evening and welcome to another amazing episode of From the Couch Sports with our beloved stack gone and doing christmas things it is just jerome and i so without much further ado jerome how are you it's another day in paradise brother happy to be here happy to be here with you we are recording together so this will be an interesting uh recording bit of a throwback bit of a throwback yeah a little bit jerome promised this time he wouldn't touch me in my bathing suit area i don't believe him yeah no touching the no-no zone new rules for, for most of the podcast. Yeah. You'll hear it. My voice will rise just a little bit. Anyway, uh, we'll get right into it. So, my week. Half and half. I had the League of Record uh, team on by, which was nice. Just got to watch a lot of the Melee from afar. Um, you know, feeling good about that. Lost in one league. Miles Sanders really fucked me. But at the same time... I would have gotten my ass waxed regardless. Like, even if I had played, um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott over Miles Sanders, I still would have lost by, like, 30 or 40 points. So that actually feels better. It's kind of a weird thing. But it actually feels better knowing that I never stood a chance, no matter what I did. Like, just wasn't my week. So fuck it. Other league I won in, and I'm on to the next. So one and one, technically. Jerome? Uh, I went two for three this week. Uh, I won in the Megala Bowl. Will I continue with the playoffs? Uh, I have to check today. I'm up against 20,000 other players at the moment. Um, in the league record, unfortunately, I lost to James. Um, you know, uh, fighting for not last place. Um, right now, uh, Juwan Johnson just really hurt me. If I had Kept him on the uh, uh, start. If I had started him, that would have been the thing. Uh, but it wasn't. So, but shit happens. You know, there's always next year. Who did you Who did you play over Juwan? Uh, I think I played Evan Ingram. Oh, so it wasn't a bad start. You I just was chasing last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, good old Schmevin. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I I've been I've been a Juwan truther most of the year. I found him um, back when Andy Dalton started for the first time after um uh Watson got hurt and he had like two touchdowns in the game I was like oh, Dalton likes this guy and he's had he's had pretty good weeks he's had a few that are just shit but yeah I had you know Schmevin and I went I tried chasing that those numbers you would have thought in the game that the shootout they had with the with the Cowboys it would have worked in my favor but it didn't so you know it is what it is it's um yet another year of unless you have the top dog, you're just fighting for relevancy week after week, and it's like we never learn these lessons with tight ends. It's no, really it's it's very very enigmatic. Uh, yes, you know it's if someone has you know a way of figuring it out, let us know. I mean, obviously starting you know Kelsey is always the way to go, uh -huh. but you know everyone else it's it's a fucking crapshoot, absolute crapshoot. I will say in the in the league of record, I checked and I am facing Yvonne, who mm -hmm. has Josh Allen this week. And the weather is going to be so bad in Chicago 
that there's a better than 50% chance that they move the game from Chicago probably to, I don't know if Detroit's at home this week, but probably do another dome game, um, which is trouble. It's trouble. Like Josh Allen in the dome is much more dangerous to me than Josh Allen in a windy stadium. I tell you what, I I pulled Gabe Davis um, because everything I had read and everybody's sentiment was stay away from Bill's player because they're going to have shitty weather. Um, man, I mean, don't get me wrong. Gabe Davis is complete let down the second half of the season. Absolutely. Um, that big playability that he had last year is gone. They are not using him like that. It is just not happening. You were better off starting Isaiah McKenzie, as terrifying as that is. I have him in another league. He scored more points. I would never do it, though. You got to have big balls. So just tremendous cojones. <laughs> just just grande huevos. Big meaty clackers. Oh, the, the meatiest of clackers. Yes. Just, you know, rubbing together the friction. Yeah. So I, I, I digress. Um, yeah. So, you know, is... Uh, it's going to be an inter- it's going to be interesting if they move the game obviously uh start everyone that you can and hopefully something works out yeah yeah um okay so let's hop right into the hot and bothered topics Jerome kick it off all right guys i'm hot and bothered about uh herbs need some spices because for everything that we've said about him so far this last week where he had he had Everything lined up. His guys were healthy. He was up against the Titans with the 31st worst pass defense, uh, letting up the most, almost the most points to wide receivers. He he comes down with eight fantasy points. Just like, I mean, how, how, how you had every opportunity to make this a huge game in the playoffs. You know, it's stuff like this. Makes you makes you rethink. Can you really rely on herbs? Man, this is this is what I've been saying. It just bothers me when when the dude throws forty two passes against one of the league's worst defenses, and someone who I don't remember who played them the week before Rome, but like I know Burrow had a big week against him, and it's just forty two passes, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and frankly, forty two passes for a quarterback of Justin Herbert's ability. 313 yards, that's a pittance. Um, You know, it kind of goes back to what you were saying last week where it's not his fault if they're putting up points. Well, 17 points on a weakish defense doesn't say a whole lot, you know? Um, So I think he's really killed a lot of fantasy teams this year. I mean, a lot of people picked him up bottom of the fourth round or top of the fourth round, you know, maybe earlier, and he's just... He's one of those players. You ever notice a tendency with some players that, you know, teams in the playoffs or teams that win the championship have that player, like there's a higher tendency. I feel like he's the exact opposite. Teams that pick Justin Herbert are missing the playoffs, are not in the playoffs. They had a losing season. You know what I mean? No, he's been he's, he's been the kind of letdown that if you you spent the draft pick on him, you you probably struggled this season and are probably not not super excited about the playoffs. You're probably worried sick. And you know, what's really interesting is he goes up against the Indianapolis choke artists next week, Mm. Mm. who I don't know if you guys were aware, gave up the biggest 
upset in in NFL history uh, mm-hmm. where they allowed the Vikings to score 33 points unanswered uh, and I think then 36 actually 36 unanswered yeah. and 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 to win in overtime yeah it's all bad and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more but like uh, yeah. they're going up against Indy next week um so we'll see how that goes he'll probably underwhelm you again so if you have him just be forewarned um that you know you're probably going to be chewing your nails off and just one last point on herbert uh i mentioned that i couldn't remember who the quarterback was last week who torched the titans it was trevor lawrence who we've highlighted in the past but he threw the same amount of passes as herbert this week 42 and instead completed for 368 yards and three touchdowns no picks going into the season no one would have thought that Trevor Lawrence would outduel Justin Herbert against the same defense. And Lawrence is on the road. And we don't need to belabor the point, but I just think, I, I guess it goes back to everything I've been saying. I don't know. I, I don't want to go repeat myself too much. So we'll move on to the next topic here. It is mine. Uh, NFL franchises play with monopoly money, and that will never change. I am very much hot and bothered about this. I'm boiling over and frothing. So, On Sunday, the NFL reported to its owners that the 32 teams have combined to pay fired coaches and executives at least $800 million over the past five years. Now, this was big news to me. I mean, my eyes, you know, absolutely widened to their widest point. But, uh, you know, I realized after the fact, like thinking about it, this, this probably isn't news to NFL teams. They're not shocked by this. They just don't give a fuck. Like, they will pay for wins. They only care about the revenue they bring in. And frankly, they make so much damn money that it just doesn't matter. So it's like, I don't even know why the NFL, like, I don't know why this is, maybe it's just news to us this year. And maybe the NFL does this every year, but it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the NFL is trying to accomplish here. I I think where where it's really going, and I'm and I'm hot and bothered about this as well. Maybe not boiling over and frothing, but I'm hot and bothered about it. And the thing that I'm kind of sticking on is that is is not that they, you know, the NFL let franchises know, hey, you waste all this money. I think that was their tactic to get them to wake the fuck up. I think what the NFL might be upset about is that they're paying all this money to failed opportunities. And what they what I think the NFL really wants these teams to do is have better measures in place to evaluate the people that they are trying to hire so that they get the most out of the people that they are hiring and not hiring somebody for nine months and firing them and paying this big contract. I think it's a meat that the money is a means to let them know that they're fucking up in a big way. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Cause that's really what it should be about because you're absolutely right. They do play with monopoly money. That's not, that's not uh, inarguable. It, it's absolutely inarguable. Um, they, they are playing, but, but that's the thing. They make so much money that they really don't care about the money. But at the same time, you know, these teams are letting themselves down by, you know, and they're trying, oh, it's another field. Like you couldn't have, you may not have had a failed season if you spend a little bit more time evaluating your prospects and maybe not your prospects, but as a as a head coach evaluating the people that you're hiring because they're not just talking about head coaches that were fired right. and then contracts paid out but also assistant coaches 
and uh, assistants and like we only hear about it you know basically head coaches being fired right GM GMs, being fired yeah. but like we all know that assistant coaches and coordinators and assistants and stuff like that all those guys are getting fired every day we just don't really hear about it unless they like you know touch a, a woman inappropriately right in mexico city right so you know it's it's in those instances that we really hear about it but you know i think that's just the nfl's means to an end of how do we get these these organizations to realize hey maybe you should stop fucking around yeah well and i mean you bring up a good point it, it's it's said often and it's known like for any fan that has even you know an ounce of wit but there's a lot of nepotism in the NFL. That's never going to go away. Well, but, that's why we talk about coaching trees all the time. Exactly. And and so a lot of guys just get hired because they know the right people or they, they've worked with the right people. Let me ask you this. So in the past couple Before of years... Before you say anything further, are you going to talk about Josh McDaniels? So I'll, I'll talk about Josh McDaniels in, in a second. And okay, it ties, it, a different thing. Okay, yeah, go ahead. It, no, but it ties into that because Josh McDaniels is a head coach for a team and it's a different situation because John Gruden got fired due to extraneous circumstances right like like emails you know yeah, all... but, but mcdaniels wasn't wasn't hired as its interim mcdaniels was hired at the beginning of this no, year no but the point is is that gruden it started kind of a trend of like other coaches have started where he was he was hired for 10 years dan campbell was hired i think for like six years matt rule was you know he was signed to was it five or six years so these teams are and cliff kingsbury who's probably on the hot seat should be fired right but it's going to be a lot of dead money. So the question I think is like, do NFL teams battle this by going back to shorter contracts and shorter leashes for coach? If you're just going to fire them anyway, is that the route to take? Because I think what organizations are trying to do is what the NFL wants them to do, which is sign coaches to long-term deals, let their plans and their thoughts like, like come to fruition, but there's still that same mindset of a short leash. Like what, what do you think about that? You know what I mean? No, I, I, there is not a professional coach that would take a job in the NFL where they weren't Garrett, like they, they didn't say that where they would take a contract, like, hey, Eric, we'd like you to be a coach of the Rams. And, um, you know, we're going to offer you a two year contract that means they don't believe in you. So it's got to be at least four years, right? Even if they might fire after the first year they have to sign to at least four years. Right. Cause you know, there, there has to be that, that might, there's no, I feel like all the effort and everything that goes into coaching, which is the reason that the NFL is talking to the franchises about wasting all this money and that are evaluating your prospects is you can't, you can't possibly expect somebody to be like, yeah, we're going to sign you a one year deal. See how it goes. Like as a coach, that's, I mean, not a lot of faith there. There's no faith. Yeah. And, and it some things take time. Not everybody's super successful right out the gate. Like Sirianni was, or McVay or McVay was, or, uh, you know, I mean, even coach, Matt Peterson, LaFleur. Even coach Peterson was successful sure. to have right out of the gate. It, you know, within three years, they won a super bowl. You know I mean? I, yeah. I would consider that successful. Yeah. So, you know, you have to give some coaches some time, like, you know, Brian DeBall, I think he's done amazing things. I, I under no circumstances, no matter what happens for the rest of the season, even though it's only three more games, mm -hmm. you can't consider firing DeBall because of all the good stuff that he's done so far. It Some things take momentum. You need better picks. You need to, you know, build a team better. You know, he was working with a lot of injured guys. You know, you can't possibly say, 
you know what? We need to go in another direction. He's clearly shown you and, and signing to a one-year deal and putting that all even in that's the other part of it is the players that are there too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they need to believe in, in the organizations making the right decisions too. And saying to the players like, Hey, we're going to have you learn this whole new system and see what happens. We're only signing this coach to a one-year deal. I would make all the best players in the organization look at each other like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not coaching to win. And a lot of times coaches on short leashes do dumb things. And that's the other thing too, is that, you know, a coach that is like up against the wall about like, I need to win or I'm gone. He's going to put the players at risk of being hurt because all he's focused on is winning, not keeping the players around. Cause I mean, if he doesn't win, Oh, what does he care? He's gone after that anyway. I don't care if my player, yeah. the players get hurt. They're not my. That's not my, not my, not my problem anymore. Yeah, you know. So yeah, there's a lot to it. I mean, we could spend another hour, I think, talking about this. It's but. it's not a situation. I think the NFL can fix. I don't think they you know, really even want to fix. There's there's nothing that could be stopped here. Uh, okay, let's go on to the next topic, sir. Uh, so the Bengals, it is, uh, I'm hot and bothered about the fact that the Bengals are the most dangerous team in the second half of a football game in the NFL. Fuck the Vikings. Here's why I think that. They have six games this year where they outscored their opponents by at least a touchdown in the second half of the game. This week was a perfect example where I texted the boys Sunday afternoon saying, what is going on with the Bengals? What is going on? I I can't believe this. Like, I don't think it's Tampa Bay playing that well. This isn't this isn't an NFL caliber Tampa Bay that they're playing up against. I don't know what is going on, but we like like are the Bengals bad? Like what's going on? And then second half adjustments were made and it was they're firing on all cylinders again. Uh, It's very dangerous. I say fuck the Vikings because quite honestly, it was equal parts, and it, the Vikings just kept riding the momentum wave. Mm-hmm. The Matt Ryan and the Colts just shutting down, and you have an, the most inexperienced NFL head coach not being able to respond properly. Yeah, that's that's why that's why the Vikings and the Colts thing happened. And I think that when it comes to the Bengals specifically. We, with the Vikings, it was like they were just crazy circumstances of you know turnovers and it's not like Kirk Cousins didn't play a perfect game. He he threw a bad interception in the fourth quarter down I think thirteen or something like that. So it wasn't anything like that. And you know, let me just real quick. I've come to a realization about Kirk Cousins. He was built to make me look like an idiot. He is built to make people who love stats look dumb because when you look at Kirk Cousins' stats. They shine off the paper. I mean, they look great, but then not this year. But then when you actually watch the man play, he is in no way impressive. Like he doesn't like he, he doesn't even have to me impressive moments. I just think the guy is totally lackluster. But the point is with the Bengals, I think what they have, and a lot of people will talk about, well, the second half is dangerous because you can only keep those weapons at bay for so long, you know, Joe Joe Burrow at bay for so long. But in my opinion, Second half comebacks are a lot to do with defensive coach adjustments at halftime. And what the defensive coach there in Cincinnati has been doing from the second half of last year, including the playoffs on has been scheming his defense very, very well. What the Bengals were allowed to do on offense was just 
take advantage of short fields. That's why Joe Burrow threw for like 200 yards and four touchdowns because he didn't have to march down the, the length of the field. The defense was turning the ball over and true enough, the Buccaneers offense is sputtering. They are not very good. Um, and that's pretty much all you can say about it, but it's an opportunistic defense. I think it really starts with coaching and yeah, you've got the off the weapons on offense. I just think more attention needs to be that guy. And I don't know his name needs to be considered for a head coaching job next year. Cause I think he's excellent, but yeah, the Vikings, it, that was perhaps the least impressive to me. Great comeback of all time. Like what the Patriots did Brady in the Super Bowl. It was Brady. It was the Super Bowl. It was, you know, massively entertaining and improbable. What the Bills did, it was a backup quarterback, and they played near perfect. What the Vikings did just felt like a really bad team playing like a really bad team, and the other team just kind of going played with worse. it. Played worse, yeah. Yeah, so what are you going to do? Um, okay, we'll move on. My next point is actually tied to what we were just talking about with the Bengals, and that is that no matter where, like if Tom Brady doesn't return to the Buccaneers next year, which there's a lot of rumblings that he doesn't, and he goes somewhere else, let's say Las Vegas, for instance, I don't think this is going to work out. I think that dude is worst. He is done. I am OUT on Tom Brady. I understand the offensive line has had many issues, uh, lots of injuries, receiving uh, receiving core, lots of injuries, you know, Lenny Fournette showing up overweight, defensive injuries too but when you watch Brady he's just not the same Brady he's shown flashes in fourth quarters and great you know games and it gets a lot of headlines because it's Tom Brady you know winning a, a game-winning drive so it's gonna grab headlines but I, at this I, point it feels like watching Michael Jordan on the Wizards uh, yes exactly I don't I just don't think he's got it anymore so yeah like if you want to come back I'm just I'm OUT and I'm hot and bothered about this no I hope I hope he rides off into the sunset and just takes that that gig and you know uh, announcing and just lets that lets it be that there's like we've discussed there's nothing left for him to prove right he doesn't work as hard as he did before right he's not winning he's not a leader yep he's not a leader on that team so what do you at this point, for the for for any franchise that's buying that's buying his time, what are you buying? His legacy, jersey sales, adding your name to his legacy and jersey sales. Yeah, like just have him as a backup. Then I, I agree, and I and, think... a, and a quote unquote mentor. You know, I use the finger finger quotations, but y'all are not seeing that. But like, <laughs> like use him as that. But even then, you could be making so much more money as a fucking announcer. Just do it, man. Just fucking. Let it go. You know what? The the thing is, too, is like, and I'm not here to pity Tom Brady. No one is. But this just can't be fun for him anymore. All of the negative media attention for his personal life, you know, um, the negative attention paid to his lack of work ethic. That's got to drive him nuts. And the losing probably How drives him driving him nuts. He's the one doing it. I know, but it it's he's the making the active choice to be a stupid fucking asshole. It's because when people point it out to you over and over and over again, it's going to drive at you. It's going to just drive you nuts. And I, like I say, I'm not pitying him. I'm just saying this cannot be fun for him anymore. If I were him, get the fuck out. Suck start a shotgun. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next topic. Jerome. All right. <clears throat> I am hot and bothered that the NFL refs should be fined for egregious miscalls. Or 
publicly executed. <laughs> One of the two. Uh, I've been talking about them all year, but we had another another thing this week. If y'all missed the Giants-Commanders game, which I know none of y'all did because, you know, it's must-see TV. Am I right? Tyler Taylor Heineke, man. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, so, Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin, lines up on the line as he has most of his career. And for those of you not aware, when he lines up on the line, if he's supposed to be on the line or off the line, he checks in with the line judge. You'll always see a receiver point to the judge. Always. Before and every they play. they do some hand and arm signals, and that's it. Yep. So you'll see they have the clips. It's been all over the news, or sports news, for that matter. Terry points. He adjusts his spot. He points again. Gives a thumbs up. And then... Five seconds later or less, the play starts, and that same guy throws a flag on him, saying that he was not li- he was lined up offsides. Now, if that doesn't make it look like that game was bought and fucking paid for, I don't know what is. And that guy should not have made it out of the of of the Meadowlands uh, last night. He should be somewhere in the icy mud, rotting, because. Like, I don't like, I mean, I, I, I'm not threatened by the Giants or Washington, but what I what I want more than anything is for football to be proper. And that is not it. And, you know, it makes people not believe in how the NFL is supposed to be run. Like anybody, anybody that has any weight with the NFL should look at that and say, well, that guy's fucking gone and we need to make this right. But there's no way to make it right. Right. Yeah, the um the current penalty, I think, right, like the way the NFL um incentivizes refs is well called games, like good units, units that don't screw up. I don't mean referee units that don't screw up games, they go to the playoffs and you know, they get voted in to go to the Super Bowl if they're like the best of the best, and you get paid like like NFL players do, you know, for playoff performances. And it's not enough, in my opinion. And so I, I'm boiling over and frothing about this, and I'll go back. I've I've spoken before on this season and in times prior saying, you know, refs are that extra part of the game. They're, they're that, you know, secret sauce, that final variable that helps decide games. And it's a real X factor, you know, like a bad call, like a poor, a poor call on the field or a call that was missed, what have you. And it goes both ways a lot of times, like whether it be your team or someone else's, but when it was as bad as it was this week, and there were a couple blown calls where interceptions that, you know, should have been for a touchdown got called dead. And they were like late, like they were poorly blown whistles. And I think there was one in the, in the lions or I'm sorry, in the Vikings uh, Colts game, or at least a couple of them. And it's just, when you have bad weeks like that, the NFL needs to be looking at this and saying, this isn't okay. It makes our product worse makes people enjoy the product less and it just creates a lot of eye rolls. I don't know if it creates less viewership. Like the NFL still no. makes the same amount of money, but but it's they do need to look at this and they do need to think about different things that you can do because I don't think that coaches should be able to challenge a call. Yeah. Like you're still limited to how many challenges you can have in the game. But like you see something like that and Terry going over to Ron, Riverboat Ron and being like coach he gave me the thumbs up. Like you should throw the flag. Check you the tape. Check the tape. And they, they should be able to look at it and be like, 
Oh yeah, he totally gave him the the okay that he was good to go. What do you think? What do you, is it too radical to say one penalty challenge per game per coach? Yeah, I think two is too many, but one should one and a half. <laughs> one per half. Oh, right? okay, one per half. Yeah, okay, yeah, one per half. You know, and then like yeah, if you if you lose, you lose your 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 uh, your timeout and everything like that, like normal. But like it should be as easy as just like saying okay coach look at the tape oh yeah that ref fucked that up okay that's a touchdown yeah and probably because because that's what it was it wasn't that they're giving him a touchdown it was a touchdown that was called back yeah like i'd throw i'd throw the red i'd throw the red one all day on shit like that i, I think there needs to be like something. if i'm looking up at the screen looking I, I i see like some pointing going on and the thumbs up i'm like okay yeah, I get it out of my pocket. <laughs> like, I'd be already getting it out of my pocket. Well, and what's nice is this could create some kind of accountability. Like, hey, if you got challenged and you lost a coach's penalty challenge, like a number of times. Because you had a shit call. Because you had a shit call, right? Over the course of a season, like something gets reviewed. Like your pay gets docked. Like you get less games. Some- I mean, to this day, uh, three years ago when the Eagles played the Lions, Miles Sanders is running up the field and – I can't believe he's not dead because this this linebacker ran by and like pulled on the face mask of Miles Sanders. Oh. He was looking at it out his eye hole. Yeah. And it was a no call. Yeah. And like that play, like you you what? That ref should be thrown out. Like right. go home, man. Go pack your bag, go home. Because like it it was all over. It was all it was it was egregious. Like I said, these are like egregious things not tiny little like oh well if we had closer technology and we were really able to zoom in we could see that the ball actually never hit the ground no i'm talking about calls like that or a call where like the player's looking at his eye hole from a face mask and you're like yeah no it looks clean to me like what it's clearly you. not yeah yeah no i uh i really i, I agree so like we'll move on um it's yeah. definitely a problem last week was egregious there's been a lot of uh you know, uh, roughing the passer calls too that have been very questionable. So it's it's been a topic. Real quick, no, 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 no. I just saw a little uh, thing come up. Um, Coach Sirianni sent cheesesteaks to Coach Doug Peterson, thanking him for his win against Dallas. <laughs> that's so fucking that's, good. That's amazing. I love. I I just I love I love I love all of that. All right. and the fact that it's ball, I want to know how many. You know, like how many is too many? Is a hundred too many? Hundreds too many. I mean, for the NFL players, I don't think so. I, I like, like, I feel like a whole. I think I, I am confident to say that a lineman's office, offensive lineman office, could eat a hundred. Those, those are some soggy rolls flying all the way from Philly down to Jacksonville. I know, I know. Yeah, but still, they're not. Well, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, though. that is awesome. Okay, Go so ahead, uh, last topic here. It is mine with Brock Purdy at the helm. This 49ers team hasn't lost a step. I'm obviously boiling over and frothing. I asked for people to jump on the hype train a couple weeks ago. I think this kid is exactly, in effect, what Jimmy Garoppolo was for them pre-injury. If nothing else, okay? like We're fantasy players here. Look at the stats. I mean, Brock Purdy's averaging about 21 fantasy points a game. And look at the game film. Wins and losses. He's been doing absolutely just fine. I think that... He is, in effect, like, I'm not saying that 
they're better off or worse off with him. I'm saying that they're right there in the same place that they were in effect with Brock Purdy. And honestly, like, I think it's wildly impressive, not for Brock, not your dog, not, not not for Brock, uh, but really for Kyle Shanahan. I mean, endless kudos to that man, because when you can go from Jimmy Garoppolo, who was a veteran quarterback, you know, when given you go from Trey Lance, with Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, you know, it, it's something to be said for the third overall pick to a veteran quarterback, you know, even with all of his faults down to Mr. Irrelevant, and you're still doing just fine. Kudos everywhere. So boiling him on frothing. I, I think Brock Purdy can take them pretty far here. So I'm cool and calm about this. What I am hot and bothered about is how much I'm going to sound like Micah Parsons right now when I say that it ain't the man, it's the system. And it's not just Kyle Shanahan's offensive system. Nay, I say nay. It's also the defense. The defense is affording the offense opportunities to not have to work too hard in order to win games. So I feel that Brock Purdy is in is in the perfect situation that he could be in. Listen, I get that he might have something special. He did get drafted into the NFL. I did not. You did not. <laughs> I did not. There are a lot of people that are not drafted every That's why year. We're here. But <laughs> clearly the evaluators that decide on who is rated for what for the NFL clearly didn't see something in Brock that allowed him to fall to the last pick in the NFL draft. So I think it's a a short amount of time until the 49ers get into a situation where they are playing from behind and they are playing, uh, not from the position of firmness that they are used to right where Brock Purdy shows his true colors and shows you why he was Mr. Irrelevant in the first place. I don't think it's the second coming of Tom Brady. Um, I, I will not say that. Um, I think good for him. And just like, it's got to feel real good to have everybody saying all the nice things they are about him. But I think the love affair with Tom Purdy, Brock Purdy, in the NFL will not make it past this season. First of all, I think that it very well could, actually. I mean, when you think back to last year's playoff stretch with the 49ers and the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo had a hurt shoulder, as a Rams fan, uh, going up against them in the NFC Championship, I thanked my lucky stars that Jimmy was as healthy or, you know, as unhealthy as he was going into that game because they would the Rams would have lost. They would have lost. Jimmy Garoppolo played very poorly. And the Rams were able to take down a victory. I think that Brock Purdy right now is better than that version of Jimmy Garoppolo. And that version of Jimmy Garoppolo got to the NFC Championship game. So the difference, okay, the difference between the two of them is that Brock is not, is still raw, okay? Garoppolo, for all of the things that he has issues with, he has the benefit of experience. He's been there he has a wealth of wisdom. Brock Purdy, just all he has is youth, moxie, and Kyle um, Shanahan. And youthful. And well, well, yeah, they both had that, though. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's where it is. I think when, when you're good, you hold Purdy to the fire, he's going to melt. It's possible. You know what? And I, because, because what, like, how, if, if, 
he is truly that good, then really like the NFL scouts need to fucking suck it up and figure it out. Uh, no, I agree. I, I was just pointing out to Jerome that all of my beer labels were printed upside, upside down. were upside down. That's odd. Actually, just the front ones, the back ones are yeah, the back ones. Are, that's just weird. No, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm a realist with Brock with Brock Purdy. I'm enjoying this uh, because it's chaos. But I will say that there is, you know, that old cliche that this kid just doesn't know that he shouldn't be doing all that well. And sometimes those people can ride the lightning for a lot longer than you think they can, or that that you think they will. I think he's going to have a rude awakening in the playoffs. It's possible. It's possible. It depends. The NFC is uh, top heavy is how I would phrase it. They're very top heavy. So, okay, let's get into our game of the week. Hit it, Herm. Hello. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. So, all right, uh, we finally have someone at 500. That is me. It is I. I'm at 23 and 23. Kieran is at 21 and 25. And Jerome uh, is at 18, 26. We all went two and one last week. So kicking it off here with the first game, I looked down the line of games and I chose the one that had one of the smallest margins, you know, in a spread. And that is Thursday Night Football, Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York football jets and the line is at one so we do know that zach wilson is going to be quarterbacking this jets team and i think it's very interesting because obviously zach wilson sucks if we look past that for just a second you see a jets team that did an extremely good job of defending against that high-flying detroit lions offense but it's how long has it been since we said that, right? Um, Not in my lifetime. Yeah, that's right. But but there was a news story that came out that the, the Lions were just flat out not throwing at Sauce Gardner. So he's gotten to that level. And that's a team that has Amon St. Brown on it. You know, a bona fide superstar. Oh, they were throwing to him, though. Yeah, they were throwing him. But they weren't lining him up against Sauce. So now he's gotten to that echelon of cornerback, that shutdown level. And this defense is all that in a bag of chips. Now, we've seen Trevor Lawrence just be awesome uh, for the last month, maybe. Uh, and it's curious to me. It's it's a great test to see how Trevor Lawrence, on a short week, because Thursday Night Football is weird. It's always weird. It's always been weird. Teams don't have as much time to prep. Players don't have as much time to rest. So I am very intrigued. But I'll spoil the fun. I'm going to take Jacksonville. I am. Uh, I think right now they are a better team. And there's just no believing in Zach Wilson. But there is absolutely something to be said here for this Jets team at home, more rested than the Jaguars, and their defense. I mean, defense wins championships. So it it is an intriguing one. Uh, And I'll check on the spread right now with Zach Wilson confirmed. But Jerome? I'm going to take Jacksonville. Um, They've been playing extremely well. Um, I mean, easy enough to say, just look at how they did last week against a Dallas team where nobody gave them any chance at winning this game against Dallas. And yet they stayed and they on their feet toe to toe with Dallas went into overtime and won by a touchdown with defense with one with defense, which is not Jacksonville style. Right. You know, so I think that 
it will they'll, they'll be able to overcome the the Jets for sure. Which, by the way, now the line is totally even. So it, it went just a hair, just one point. You think that's odd? The way Jacksonville's been playing, that the line is even and it's not totally in Jacksonville's favor. Listen, uh, I don't, I don't believe the lines nowadays. Uh, I think that I, I, whoever's doing the lines is drunk at the wheel because. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll get to we'll get to it more later. But looking at the line of the Eagles Cowboys game, I don't fucking see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. Okay, we'll go to the next game here. By the way, we don't have Kieran's picks in, but we'll obviously refresh you next week on how he failed. Uh, go ahead, Drum. Uh, so the game I picked, uh, Bengals at Patriots. Bengals are favored favored by three and a half, which I think is a really interesting spread because. I see the Bengals uh, winning this and uh, clinching the clinching the the division right with the win. They could, I think. I think. Yeah, I don't I know. Think, how I think if was. they win and, and the the Ravens lose again, which they probably will. Um, but I just I, the, the Patriots have had so many issues lately. I am shocked that they are, are only there's only favor for the Bengals by three and a half uh, after just the poor showing the Patriots had against Las Vegas last week. Now, maybe, maybe, you know, they're giving the Patriots some slack because they're playing at home. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm taking Bengals for this. Um, you just don't bet against Joe Burrow, especially in the second half nowadays. That's right. And so I'm looking at it now, and it, I was thinking that maybe part of the reason was that the weather is going to be real shitty up there in New England, you know, in Foxborough. There's just no way to pick with this New England team. They're they're not playing. Ramondre Stevenson is awesome. I I think the defense is fine. And it's possible that the defense of the New England Patriots gets a lot of pressure on that weakened Bengals offensive line. Bengals have been starting off slow in recent weeks, but Yeah, but do you do, you, do is the is the statement Oh, look at the look at the Patriots jumping out ahead. I, I don't just I don't see it. There's no way in which yeah, there's there's no path that I can see where that's a reality. It's not like, oh look, Mac Jones started off eleven of twelve for 123 yards and two touchdowns, and Joe Burrow threw two picks. I could see Joe Burrow throwing early picks. I could. I still can't see Mac Jones moving the ball. Not even moving like not even 123 yards and off of 12 attempts, just not even moving the chains. So yeah, I gotta go with the Bengals here. I think they're getting hot. Um, I don't know if it's Mac Jones just being super mediocre or Matt Patricia not being good at offense. I think the answer is yes, right? <laughs> the answer to that either or question is just yes. And, you know, I was talking to James, our, our friend and Patriots fan, and he said this week, and this is a diehard Patriots fan, ladies and gentlemen, and he said, and I quote, I fucking hate the Patriots. So, that's that's the state of the Patriots right now. That is why I, Jerome and I like. I think three and a half points is a little bit low. Like honestly, I, I could see six and a half points, and I'd still take the Bengals. You know, with the points, I'd say Bengals by seven. Yeah, it, or, or more. So, okay, uh, we will move on to the last game. It was Karen's choice. Um, he snaked it from Jerome. It is the Eagles at the Cowboys who are currently favored by four and a half points. Now that's according to, to, to uh, DraftKings as of an hour before we recorded this. Right. And the reasoning for that, as I'm sure you're aware of by now is that Jalen hurts is likely to miss this game possibly next week as well. And potentially that has something to do with playoff implications. We'll see. But the point is, is that Gardner Minshew will be starting for the Eagles most likely 
comes Sunday. By the way, why is this not Sunday Night Football? Why are you watching the Steelers again? Neither here nor there. Oh, if there was ever a time to move a game. I, I would agree. And here is... Oh, and, and imagine, imagine... So it's the 4.30 game on Christmas Eve. So I was, I was talking to my mother because we're having dinner. My wife and I are having dinner with my parents for Christmas Eve. And I said, um, we're not having dinner in the dining room Christmas Eve. And my mother said, why is that? I said, well, the if you want to have dinner with me on Christmas Eve, you got to get with my friends. We need to eat <laughs> in the kitchen table because there's only four of us. We'll all fit at the table, but I need to be able to pay attention to the game. Yeah, no, it, it's th- either that or we don't eat until 730. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hate to be that much of an asshole, but at this point in the season, I'm going to be that much of an asshole. Um, because I, I, I have to, I have to watch this game and I understand, I understand what you might be thinking, dude, you can afford another loss. You have not like, you don't have a, a perfect season. You're trying to retrieve. Listen, if we lost every game of this season, I still want nothing more than to beat the Cowboys. I'll, I'll go one step further and, you know, not to get too far away, but like I grew up in a family where during birthday parties, you know, family parties, 25, 30 people in a house, birthday person is opening up gifts and no one's watching them because we're all watching the fucking savers on the TV. <laughs> like no one. Like So that's just the household that I grew up in. So eating at the table when there's a game on uh, uh, an important game, just not a reality for me growing up. Anyway, um, so. I look at this and I see a Cowboys team that has played poorly the last two weeks against teams that they really should have beaten and soundly beaten. Like their point differential over the last two weeks should be at least 21 points. Just the Jaguars. If you look at, if you look at what they were favored by. Exactly. So, and if it was just that, it would even just be, I think like 14 points or something. So I look at this Cowboys team and I wonder, you know, can they beat Gardner Minshew? I'm old enough to remember that Gardner Minshew starting for the Eagles in a backup role, like in a, in a surprise starting role has played very, very well, like almost like Ryan Fitzpatrick does. And I think this game's going to be pretty close. I'm going to take the Eagles here because I believe that while Jalen hurts is an absolute special talent at quarterback and a unique talent, at least this year, the rest of the team is so damn strong in pretty much every facet of the game that I think that the Cowboys do not match up well with them. And the problem is that this is the real crux of the issue is that this Cowboys team should be better. They like, like honestly, like, like they have potential, they have players, they were catching fire and they just lost it. And I don't know that it's within their DNA to get up for this game. If that makes sense, even though it's a divisional game at home against, you know, a divisional rival, in a win that they they need. I don't know that the Cowboys need this. They're playoff bound. They know that they're playoff bound. They probably know for a fact that they're the fifth seed and they stand to lose nothing because they're just going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they'll get that win in the playoffs, right? So right now it's the Saints. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Well, so still, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the fifth seed in this year's NFC playoff picture is a just fine place to be. Hmm. So I will take the Eagles in this. Uh, I think that actually they want it more. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Gardner Minshew is 
an absolute terrifying competitor. And he now in his career has the wisdom to know when to throw it away. We will be losing that X factor runability, you know, rush rushing attack with the quarterback that we have with Hertz. If he decides not to play, um, there are, there is rumblings that Hertz might play because Hertz wants to be in the MVP race. He doesn't want to give up on that. Um, you know, so there's that. Personally, I, I would like to see him be restful. I I wouldn't mind taking an L against the Saints next week if they decide to sit him. Yeah. Um. That, I, that, I, I think Gardner Minshew is more than capable of beating the Saints. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I, it just it wouldn't hurt me because I know we're already secure. We we don't have an undefeated season. So there's like, what what are you really worried about? Yeah. Um. But I think the big thing for the Cowboys on defense is that they lost Fate, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch again. Um, he probably is going to go on the IR to another neck injury. He's uh, this is like his second or third neck injury, which um, I don't know if y'all have ever had neck injuries, but it's it's not great. Just ask it's, Peyton Manning. It's difficult. Uh, they don't get easier to deal with. So um, I'm thankful for that because uh, he's a major leader on their defense. So having him out being somebody else has to step up and doesn't have that experience. Uh, they lost three starters on defense in the last game. Um, you know, I think it'll be rough and tumble, um, but I say Eagles win by a touchdown. Yeah, and we, by the way, this is the one game we know what Karen will take. He will take the Cowboys, so he <laughs> we put that in the dock. But I think, you know, the other thing with this game is that Jalen Hurts, at least not the game, but the comment you made about Jalen Hurts is that, yes, he he probably does want that MVP. What player doesn't? But that ain't the award, man. That's not the award. And the way that hurts, like the, the award you want is the one at the end of the season. Right. And and I agree. And that's, and that goes back to the whole thing. Like, do you, do you think Rogers is happy that he won the MVP? Like he would give all of his MVP awards away for another Super Bowl win. Hands down, hands right. down. And, so and, like him winning it, it's like, oh great. I won this, but we didn't really go anywhere in the playoffs. But, but here's the thing. The difference between Jalen Hurts and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, for instance, Tom Brady, other statuesque quarterbacks is that Hertz does run the ball a lot. He gets hit a lot. A lot. More mobile quarterbacks always do. You gotta take that rest time. Like I understand. Like maybe if it's gamesmanship of wanting to be out there and playing in that rival game, wanting to be with your your teammates, your fellow warriors. Like I believe in those in those words and those mantras. But you know, this is where Nick Sirianni's got to grow a pair and say, no, sit down, take off the pads, put on the headset. I'm not risking you. I need you healthy for the games that matter most down the stretch. And and there's nothing like I love a player who says, no, I want to be out there with my guys. But you at that point, that's when the head coach needs to step in and say, no, not today. I'm sorry. We love your fire. Bring it from the sideline. Help help the backup. Help, help Gardner prepare for what he's going up against. You've got games in Philadelphia in January and, you know, I don't know if they play playoff games in February anymore. I've lost track, but you've got games that just matter more. And, and, and so, you know, you never want to lose to a divisional rival, obviously, but this is the game to lose. It really is. No, next, next week is the game to lose. Well, okay. Against the saints. I think we can agree to disagree on that. I, I think that both are frankly, I just, if it comes down to the health of Jalen hurts, but neither here nor That's there. Good point. Um, okay. So that is it. 
Good luck in all your playoff matchups. Jerome, I hope that you did move forward in the, uh, what's it called? The Megalobowl. The Megalobowl. Um, you know, I, I certainly hope to be with a winning record uh, after these uh, playoff matchups. I really don't feel good about this Josh Allen matchup, man. It's a league of record, and I just... Here's a real interesting story that I waited until the pod to tell you. Oh, God. So, Ted got, Ted got like, email spammed, and and Google locked him out of his email. Oh, he can't set a lineup? So, he wasn't able to set up lineup this week. Ooh. It was a good thing that he had the buy. Wow. And the dumbass... Yes, I called my father a dumbass. The dumbass didn't call and ask me to help him earlier. So I had to unfuck his situation with his emails and everything like that. And he's back up and running. But yeah, he waited until Sunday to say, hey, my email's not working. And I was like, why did you say something? And he's like, well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I figured you were. I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what? And I've I've kept note of this. Um, but right now in our league of record, there are obviously there are four teams left, two of which auto drafted and two hand picked their teams. And uh, no matter what, there will be a team that auto drafted in the finals again this year. I don't think I can ever take my hand off the wheel and like not draft my team, but it makes you wonder, right? What good does it do? I don't know, dude. I picked all the wrong guys this year. Except I know, for, except for Jalen Hurts. That was the only thing I was right about. Everything, everything else about what who I picked this year was wrong. It, it's about everyone. This, it's about this time of the year that I really wonder what I do with all those hours of studying and thinking and you know mock drafting. Like, what am I wasting my time with? Because I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it, it's 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 frustrating to say the least. It is indeed, and I think that's about it. I think that's it. All right, folks. Like I said. Enjoy this week of NFL football. Hope your fantasy teams do well. Jerome, say goodnight. I hope you lose this week. Well, fuck you too. Good night. Good fucking night. Hi there, Mr. Hinduist. Merry fucking Christmas. Drink eggnog and eat some beef and pass it to the masses. In case you haven't noticed, it's Jesus' birthday. So get off your heathen Hindu ass and fucking celebrate.